Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hey, friend. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the golden rule of arranging. And that golden rule is not that everything you arrange is in the same key, because that is what we call a given. (laughs) So hopefully um, you have an understanding of music theory enough to understand that if you're in the key of C, doing a guitar part in the key of C sharp major is probably not going to work. So that is a given. And now we're going to be talking about today. So we're assuming you know that. And from there, this golden rule is that everything has its place. So in arranging, um, it's very much team over self. Even the way one mixes a song is that you're not making each part sound its best on its own. The point is to make each part sound its best within the context of the mix. And arranging is very similar in that way. And often you're arranging for the sake of a recording, which makes sense. And even if you're not, you're always arranging for the sake of, you know, something sound, right? Like, even if it's live, that's usually going to be mixed and it's going to be heard by people. And the point is for everything to have its place. So there's three main ways to give everything its place. And we're going to go through those three. So the first one is to have its place in the pitch spectrum. Um, So think of it sort of like your calendar schedule. You can't really double book. And so if you have a work day from 8 to 5 and you have meetings all day, you're not going to put all of your meetings at 12 o'clock, right? You can't have four meetings at 12 o'clock because it can't be four places at once. So you spread it throughout the day, right? You have a meeting at 8 real early and then you have meetings sort of – early-ish at like 10 and then you have maybe you have one over lunch and then you have one at two and then three you spread it out right because you can't you can't have your attention on four meetings during one time block so it's sort of the same thing with the pitch spectrum if you have everything you know within one octave of middle c it's just going to be muddy and gross like like you need to spread out the attention. So if somebody's sort of tuning in their ears for a certain um, octave, say, they will, you know, be able to pick out an instrument that is predominantly in that octave. Now, I'm not saying that you can only have one instrument per octave. Um, It depends a little bit on which octave it is uh, because lots of songs tend to be mid-heavy. So, for example, if you have a song with piano and you know, bass, drums, and uh, guitars, especially electric guitars and acoustic guitars, a lot of those instruments, so like your electric guitars are going to be very mid, usually, depending on the guitar part, but especially if they're like power chords, they're going to be very mid. Uh, Piano parts usually very mid. Um, A lot of the vocal has some mid in it. Usually cut out the mids a little bit to give clarity, but there's still a lot of mids. Um, so mids are extremely just 
heavy in a song. So the amount of instruments you can have in that mid-range is more than, say, you would want to have in the bass. You probably don't want three different bass parts or parts that are, you know, really down there. Usually you have the kick drum down there, give it its own space, and then you put the bass, you know, a little bit above that or something like that. So um, when, when thinking about this pitch spectrum, you need to just be thinking of how everything needs its place and it can't be too busy. So for example, something I like to do, I usually consider whatever the bass part is, that is sort of the low point, And I'd kind of work up from there. So usually, right, if you're writing a song, um, you have what I like to call a main instrument, which is usually the instrument that you wrote off of. So if it's a piano ballad, your piano part is going to be your main. If it's a song that you wrote on the acoustic guitar, so like say a Goo Goo Dolls song, kind of kind of feel where like you can tell, you know, Johnny Resnick with his uh, open guitar, acoustic guitar sound is like the main sort of um, instrument. So this is like the instrument that if you were to play an acoustic show and you didn't have your band, what's the instrument you you would play on as you sang? Is usually what I consider the main instrument. So you have that, which is going to have its space usually in the mid. It depends. Maybe your piano part's a little higher than normal. Uh, maybe you are using a capo on your guitar. I don't know. But for the most part, it's going to be pretty mid. And then you have your bass. So then I sort of just fill in between that. I usually am not going to put anything below the bass because the bass is the bass, right? Between the kick drum and the bass, that's, that's what I want coming out of my subwoofer. Maybe to thicken up the bass, if it's a higher bass part, I might add... Um, a synth or something to kind of add to the bass sound so that it almost sounds like it's a part of the bass. But for the most part, I'm not putting any instrument or a second bass or anything below that. So I sort of work my way up and going from C to C, I usually ask myself, okay, is there anything in this octave? And that's just a good way to make sure, say, if you have a lot of filler guitar parts, you're not adding even more mids. You already have you know, at least two electric guitars in the mids, and you have a piano in the mids, and maybe you have a lead guitar in the mids. You don't want to add even more to the mids, right? You want to maybe bump it up an octave, and then go up another octave and do another guitar part, just so that it sort of fills out the spectrum. So, that rule number one, um, or part one of the rule, I guess, is filling the pitch spectrum. Second one is to give each a uh, sort of style and rhythm. So for example, if your chorus has power chords and your power chords are a whole note, so you strum the power chord once and it holds for the whole measure, you don't want everything to do that because then nothing will stick out. It's, it's the same principle as the pitch. The idea is you want something to be able to be picked out and to not just all be in one place so that it's muddy. So rhythm and or style and when these notes are hitting is is going to help with that. Um, so if you have the guitar part, that, that those power chords, that's just going to be like a whole note. So played through the whole measure, you know, some, it will help if your piano part doesn't just do that same thing because then it will just sort of blend all together and get more money. But if your piano part is doing arpeggios or something where... They're basically doing triplets, for instance. Or maybe you have 
another guitar part that's higher up so that you're covering the whole pitch spectrum thing. And you also, you know, maybe you make that staccato to help that stick out. And then um, maybe it's staccato quarter notes. So even if it's just straight up quarter notes, like on every beat, it still is something different that sort of just adds to this soundscape rather than just blending in. Um, and in this case, blending in a bad way um, with your power chords. So there are tons of ways to do this. Obviously, giving a part, you know, a melody, like a lead part, is certainly a helpful way to do this because a melody is usually going to have a non-boring rhythm. Like, it's not going to be something held over for a whole note every time. It's not going to be something that's, you know, straight staccato quarter notes. Um, it, will, it will have some sort of rhythm to it, maybe some syncopation in there. So that's definitely... Um, one way I like to have usually at least one or two sort of leads besides the vocal. Um, so it's, it's, it's sort of like if you're at a party with 10 people, right? And you don't know any of these people, if they're all about the same, are you going to remember any of them? Or will you have a better time if there's some different personalities? You know, one person's kind of crazy. One person maybe had a little too much to drink and another person is, you know, very thought provoking and, and he doesn't speak much, but when he does speak, it's really profound. Like those are the sort of things that will make each of those people stick out. And then you have a good time because, you know, maybe you're a little sick of the loud mouth over there who's being obnoxious and you're like, oh man, this guy's driving me nuts. So you go over to the guy who's really pensive and doesn't talk as much, but when he does say something, it's profound. And then he blows your mind with something that you had never thought of before. So you're going to go home from that party probably with a, a better view on it, right? Because there were some different personalities, things that made each person more memorable and stick out from the other ones. And then it all sort of comes together to make an enjoyable experience for you. Um, and, and that's that's kind of what you want with all of these different parts. You don't want them all having the same exact style. You, you know, if you have some triplets over here and then you have quarter note staccato over there and then you have legato... A melody that's syncopated over here and then another legato melody that's syncopated in another spot like that's the sort of thing that that fills in the mix so there's always something new happening so on that whole note from the power chord all right you get the first beat measure the first beat covered and then something interesting happens because sort of on that you know before the next quarter note uh maybe the legato part starts coming in and then you have your, you know, maybe a, a note or two that's hitting on that, on that second beat. And it just sort of gives something for the listener to attach to at any given time. And then there are different interesting parts, not just like wall of sound for four seconds, wall of sound for four seconds, um, which you can do once in a while maybe to, for a certain effect. Uh, but for the most part, that's not going to work and it's just going to sound clunky. So rule number one was fill the pitch spectrum. Rule number two, or I keep saying rule number one, rule number two. These are all in theory the same rule that everything has its place. So part two of the rule is to give each its different style and rhythm. And then the third one is be intentional about giving each piece its job. 
So I'm going to throw a football analogy at you, and hopefully you've watched a football game or know even just a tiny bit about football to understand what I'm saying, This because this is pretty basic. But offensive linemen in football or defensive linemen don't need to know how to pass a football, right? Like when you watch a football game, usually a quarterback is the one who's passing. Once in a great while, they might do a trick play where a wide receiver passes the ball or something like that. But for the most part, the quarterback needs to be really good at throwing the ball. The quarterback doesn't need to run well, and the quarterback doesn't usually need to block very well. That's what the offensive lineman's for. They block. And a running back. A running back doesn't necessarily need to be good at catching a ball. They should be adequate, because now in the current football ways to have running backs actually catch balls more often. But for the most part, traditionally, a running back mostly needed to be able to carry the ball and power through people or be able to escape around people, whereas wide receivers need to be able to catch the ball. So every position, and this is true of any sport, right? If you're a defensive player on a soccer team, you don't have to be great at scoring goals, but you do need to be good at reading an offensive player and knowing what they're going to do so you can intercept their pass or so you can cut off their lane so that they can't get closer to the net so no matter what sport it is or even a company right like what a ceo needs to be good at versus a cto you know that who's in charge of technology are two different things ceo should be really good at vision and then the cto should be good at figuring out what technologies to use and what to implement and that's just true of any team anywhere whether it's a company or a sports team or anything and it needs to be true with your music as well. Another analogy would be you can't have too many main characters, right? If you have a book or a movie, you can't have five main characters, right? Because then it's, it's just too much. It's overwhelming. And especially if it's a movie, you get like two to three hours to do a movie, right? Like most movies are within that time frame. And to tell the story of five different people and make us care deeply about all five of those people and feel like we have a lot of background in those five people, how do you even accomplish that in only two to three hours? It's going to be pretty tough, which is why most movies have one main character or maybe two. Um, and then you have the funny guy who's like, you know, he, he's a character. He's important to the story. He gives you some laughs. Um, but he's not a main character. You're not going to get the same. He's not going to drive the plot forward the way the protagonist will. You just can't have too many starring roles in a movie or in a book. And the same needs to be true with your arrangement, right? So, so for example, the job of the vocal in most songs is to be that main lead, right? Your vocal is what is communicating the lyrics, so the meaning of the song, and it's the main melody. So, so like, maybe even up to 80% of the song is, is in the vocal, super important so that's your lead that's your main that's your ceo that's your quarterback um but you can't have too many more of those right so um the melody the vocal melody is going to be your main melody but you can have other melodies right like for example you could have a guitar uh, guitar part that is a lead that also has its own melody but once you have three lead guitar parts that have distinct melodies, maybe it's starting to get busy. Um, so, in order to sort of think through this, I have three main categories 
when it comes to arranging. And the first is body, the second is leads, and then the third is filler. So body's the main stuff. This is what the song needs. Your main piano part in a piano ballad, and the guitar power chords for your chorus, and the main guitar part. Uh, so usually an acoustic guitar part. Um, this is the stuff that you would really need to be played if you were playing the song live. The stuff that truly makes the song the song. That's, that's the body. So they have a specific job, right? These are the sort of anchors to your song. These are the truly necessary parts of your song that are what you need to communicate your song to the listener. Leads are melodic parts. So these are parts where you have some melody played with instruments that's prevalent and memorable. It could be a solo, although it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, but the key part here is that it actually has melodies. Um, so not just arpeggios or staccato notes that are on every quarter note. Like, like it has to have a melody. Something that somebody conceivably would probably hum. So for each of these parts that we've talked about so far, you can't have too much going on in that part. The body has its job and it's very important, but then you need to move on to leads and then leads. Um, I personally kind of consider the vocal a side thing, but the vocal in a sense is a lead because it's melodic. It's just such an important lead that that it's, it's just in a whole nother category. But now, now when we're in leads, you can't, you can't have too many of them, right? Because if you have a vocal melody and then you have maybe even a second vocal melody going at the same time, and then you have three lead guitar parts all doing completely different melodies all at the same time, it's going to start to get busy and overwhelming to the point that, like, what's, what, what am I supposed to attach to? Um, and there's certainly ways to pull off that specific number I gave, but at some point it's going to get too busy. And you don't want that because while you want the listener to have different things they can attach to that, that keeps the song interesting, you can't have too many. Um, and then the last part is filler. And this is important to not discount. I feel like when I hear your average... Uh, local band or whatever, when they have a recording, the main way that I usually can tell that they're local and they don't, you know, have um, too much of a budget, I guess, is they leave out these fillers. And filler parts is stuff that isn't trying to be a star. So the body is kind of a star in the sense that the body is what's imperative to the song. You know, like if you come to the chorus and the power chords aren't there, people would notice that, right? That's, that's a huge difference. It completely changes the song. If you don't have the main lead piano part for a song like a hundred years or something like that, is, is it even the song without that part? So that's what the body's job is. And the leads are to give you other melodies and memorable parts that somebody could conceivably hum. And filler is just not even trying to be the star, you know? They're, they're all the people in the movies that don't really affect the plot too much. You don't get much background on them, but you know what? There's still somebody that set a line in a movie that may have been 
foreshadowing of something else. So they still have important jobs, even even if their job is just to be one of the people that the bad guy killed so that you think, wow, what a bad guy, <laughs> right? Like, no matter what, those people have a job that is important, even if it's not a star job, if you will. And it's the same with this filler stuff. They're side characters, uh, but they're still important to the song as a whole. So these are usually repeated single notes or simple arpeggios and other simplistic parts that sort of just fill in the mix. Um, so this is where I'll commonly, once I have my, my body parts, right? So I have my main piano or in my power chords and the bass and the drums, um, and acoustic guitar, if that was the main part, uh, if I wrote the song from an acoustic guitar, and then once I have some, some leads, which is usually, usually guitar, sometimes piano if it's a very guitar heavy song, but usually those are guitars. This is when going back to that first part, I will be like, okay, what octaves have either very little going on or maybe even nothing going on. And I'll just do something simple in there. Even if it's a quarter note, quarter note, quarter note, quarter note, basic, whatever, uh, really nothing to it of the same note sometimes even it just helps fill in the mix so nobody's ever going to really pick out that part uh, unless they're really trying to dissect a song it's just kind of something that adds to this giant soundscape that just makes the song feel bigger and usually makes it feel more professional too or sometimes i'll do simple arpeggios maybe i'll arpeggio the chords sometimes i'll do an arpeggio that's just loosely related to the chords um um, or just, you know, three notes in a row that sort of um, sort of fit with any of the chords being played at the time, and I'll change it up when it needs to be changed up if, if you know, say, say I'm just going back and forth between two notes in the key of C, like C and G. C and G can fit with most of the chords in the key of C. Um, but maybe when I get to the sixth chord, I might change it up and go C to A so that it actually has that A from that minor sixth chord, which is an A minor chord. Um, so the, the main point here is that fillers are, are, are really basic, and that's okay because they're just there to sort of fill in the mix. You don't usually get too much of a backstory on that random guy that got killed by the villain or or if your hero takes out one of the villain's henchmen i mean you don't have backstory on that guy right but that's not important the point there is that your good guy just beat the pants off of that guy and you're like oh yeah awesome he's so cool and that's really the job of filler those guys are important you never think of them they don't star they're not somebody that you're like oh man i want to see that guy in a movie again but they're still important to the story, or in this case, song as a whole. Um, and then I have a last part that's sort of a sub part of filler, which is atmospheres. Atmospheres really, to me, is, is like filler, but filler that is explicitly super heavy and reverb and, and echoey. And it's almost like a, a, a bed for the rest of the song to lay on that's just sort of ethereal soundscaping that it doesn't really matter even um, what the chords currently played are. Usually the filler part is still prevalent enough that it's, it's, it's really relevant, like, okay, what chord are we playing right now? But sometimes the atmospheres is just, you know, a really echoey 
you know, the first note and the fifth note held through the whole song. And it's just sort of in the background somewhere. And it's got lots of echoey reverb on it. But you, you might notice if it was taken out, but you don't actually really hear it. Um, but still adds to the song because you would notice if it was taken out. Or sometimes that's, again, simple arpeggios or something. Or single notes. I do single notes a lot for this. Um, and those also can be really important to the song. So it's important here, like, you don't want to give too much to these fillers or atmosphere, right? If you give too much of an interesting melody to the fillers, all of a sudden that filler becomes a lead. And if you have too many leads, it starts to get busy. It's like you wouldn't have five different vocal melodies at the same time, right? Well, why hasn't anyone ever done that? Because it would be busy and it would sound terrible. So that's why this golden rule is just that everything has its place. You don't need to make every part in interesting in and of itself. You don't have to make every part in the coolest octave. Like, for example, if you love bass, you love that deep, rich, low mid or bass sound, that doesn't mean you put everything there, right? Like, you still... Because everything needs to have its place. If you have a sweet bass part, that doesn't necessarily mean you have the guitars do that same bass part and you have the vocal melody do the same bass part, right? Because everything has its place. Let the bass shine. Let it have that that cool bass line. Doesn't mean everything else needs to do the same thing. Doesn't mean everything else needs to star the same way that that does. So... To go back through the three real fast, give everything its place. Give everything its pitch, space. Give everything its style and rhythmic spot, if you will. Something to make it different than the other parts. And be intentional about giving each piece its job. And along with that, don't force it into a job that it shouldn't have. So not everything can be a lead. Not everything can be a main part of the body. Um, and, you know, you're, you, I say body, but what about the human body, right? Like you might say, oh, the heart is the most important organ. Well, I mean, in some senses, it's up there, right? You got your heart, you got your brain. Those are probably the big two of parts of your body that you would consider most important, right? Because those heart keeps you alive and brain is how you think and are, are you. But it's easy to say that until you no longer have lungs, right? And then you're like, oh, well, lungs are really important too, even though they're not as important, probably in your mind. And then once you don't have a bladder anymore, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I never appreciated the bladder until I don't have one. Um, so even though you might have in your brain that, you know, one's more important or one is, is more necessary for who I am or they all have their place and it's important for them to be good at their job because your feet need to be able to take more punishment than your hands usually, but your hands need to have better dexterity and better ability to, for fine, fine motor kind of stuff, right? Like you're not going to most outside of people who are incredibly talented, you're not going to be able to play the piano with your feet. But similarly, you can't run on your arms. They're both good at what their job is. And it's important to take that concept with you in arranging. And that is why the golden rule is that everything has its place. Thanks for listening to the songwriter theory podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. 
If you want to jumpstart your songwriting, be sure to download my free guide on 10 proven ways to start writing a song at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Whether you're brand new to songwriting or a seasoned vet, this guide will help you to avoid staring at a blank page wondering where to start. Even if you just want to figure out some different ways to start writing a song, this free guide is for you.